good morning. I want to welcome you here to the service. And as we begin our service today, this is Graduate Recognition Sunday. So in honor of our graduates, if you would please stand as they come in the room. you and you may be seated. different now now that my heart's been found nothing really feels the same I hold my head a bit higher I lift my voice a bit louder yeah something inside has changed I am a mountain mover water walker more than just an Testify, cause I've been redeemed. 
Well, it's my honor to welcome you here today. If you're visiting with us today, we are so glad that you chose to join us today for worship. Whether you're here visiting because you know one of our graduates or maybe you're here searching for a church home, uh, we are so glad that you've decided to be here today. And we would encourage you, if you are visiting, before you leave, you could fill out the care card in your bulletin or scan the QR code that's right above the care card, and we'd have a digital copy of that. But we'd love to have a record of your visit. And before you run out, please stop by and get, pick up a guest bag. Um, every every Sunday, we stand up here and we welcome everybody. And it's like, what do you say? Because we sound like a broken record, don't we? Or I do every week, saying the same thing. Well, I came across this welcome. Um, I kind of pulled out a few things, but... Who is it that's welcome here? Well, let me just read this. We extend a special welcome to those who are single, married, divorced, filthy, rich, or dirt poor. We extend a special welcome to those who are crying newborn, skinny as a rail, or could afford to lose a few pounds. We welcome you if you sing like Bocelli or if you sing like our pastor who can't carry a note in a bucket. <laughs> I didn't write that, Jamie. I'm... You're welcome here if you're just browsing, just woke up, or just got out of jail. A special welcome to those who are over 60 but not grown up yet and to teenagers who are growing up too fast. We welcome soccer moms, NASCAR dads, latte slipper, slipper, sippers, vegetarians, steak lovers, and junk food eaters. We welcome those who are in recovery or are still addicted. We welcome you if you're having problems or down in the dumps or if you don't like organized religion because we've been there too. We offer a special welcome to those who think the earth is flat, you work too hard, don't work, can't spell, or came just because grandma is in town and wanted to go to church. We welcome those who could use prayer right now, had religion shoved down your throat as a kid, or got lost in traffic and wound up here by mistake. We welcome tourists, seekers, doubters, bleeding hearts, and we welcome you. Point is, everyone is welcome. We serve a God who welcomes us as we are, invites us as we are, and loves us so much that he doesn't leave us that way. And you're all welcome here. So I'm gonna ask everyone to stand. If you fall into any of those categories, let your neighbors know who you are if you're, if you're proud of it, and welcome them to the service. If I can have your attention, if everybody would, please be seated. We're going to recognize our graduates. We're going to start with our high school students. Uh, as you'll know, we have a lot, of, a lot of names in the bulletin. Everybody couldn't be here this morning, but um, if you will, look at your uh, handout. And we're going to start out with our high school graduates with Landon Atwood. Parents are Eric and Holly Murdoch. <laughs> Canyon Eckerd. Parents are Greg and Leslie Eckerd. Caleb Elder, parents, excuse me, what did you say? Sorry. Angie and Rick Harrington and the late Rob Elder. Jenna Hensley, Mark and Mia Hensley, parents. Taylor Sharp, parents are Wesley and Hope Sharp. Let's give our high school graduates a big hand. Congratulations, guys. Now we have our uh, college graduates, and a lot of these uh, college graduates couldn't be here. A lot of them are working so, and have jobs and, and have moved off, So, but I'm going to read their names. Cody Arms, parents are Michael and Sandra Arms. Elijah Kerrigan, parents are Darren and Beverly Kerrigan. Beverly Elder, 
husband, Ricky Oder. Congratulations. Dawson Elder, parents are Luke and Denise Elder. Daniel Fox, wife Peyton Fox. Sydney Fox, parents are Wesley and Bridget Fox. Allie Goforth, parents are Tabitha and the late David Goforth. Lainey Goforth, and she has the same parents. Kara Sherrill, parents are Lamar and Deanna Sherrill. Caden Sigmund, parents are Shane and Lisa Sigmund. Sorry. Mark Stafford, wife Dana Stafford. And lastly, Kaylee Travis, parents are Jim and Tony Travis and fiance Derek Dyson. Let's give them another hand clap. Congratulations, guys. Now I'm going to ask you to stand with us as the praise team leads us in worship this morning.
Did you know this is the time we set aside in our service to uh, pray as a church family and pray for each other? And I got a text this morning uh, about the twins, Zach and India's babies, and uh, I've been asked if we would to pray for Colt. They had to take him to the Presbyterian emergency room for an infection, and Case, who is the smaller of the two twins, uh, needs prayers for his breathing and weight. So if you would, please remember them in prayer at this time. And I'm going to ask Matt to come up here. He's one of our deacons. He's going to lead us in this prayer time. But as the praise team leads us and the choir leads us in this time of worship, will you meet me here at the altar and let's pray together this morning. Thank you. here this morning. God, we thank you that we live in a place where we can come to church on Sunday morning, Lord. We don't have to fear. God, we thank you that you're good. Uh, Lord, Kevin was coming up here earlier, and he just extended that welcome to everybody, God, and it's just a reminder that uh, if we're human, we're, we're created by you, Lord, and we're welcome here in church. It doesn't matter where we come from or where we live or what language we speak, but God, uh, you, you love us and you've created us, and God, we thank you that we can come to you at any time and anywhere. It doesn't matter what our circumstance is, Lord, but we have full access to you by prayer, and we thank you that you listen. And God, we pray for these twins this morning. God, we just pray for their healing. We pray for that they would thrive. We just pray for that family that you provide for them, Lord. God, I thank you for a Bible preaching church. Uh, unfortunately, that's becoming harder and harder to find, but I just pray uh, as East Taylorsville, we would always stand under your word, Lord, in submission to that. I just pray that you'd give us wisdom today and this week. I pray that you'd guide Jamie as he preaches today, Lord, just put words in his heart and in his mouth. And um, if there's any requests that people have that aren't spoken, I just pray that you would strengthen them and just answer those according to your will. In Jesus' name.
Christ is my firm foundation, the rock on which I stand, and everything around me is shaken. I've never been more glad when I put my faith in Jesus, cause he's never let me down. He's faithful through generations, so why would he fail?
Thank you, choir. Was that not a blessing? Aren't you thankful that uh, in a life full of change, God never changes, that his promises are true and real, and he won't fail us? Thank you so much for singing that. Uh, if you have your Bibles, turn to 1 Peter chapter 2. We're going to be looking at verses 9 and 10 again. If you will, stand with me. The title of the message is called Proclaim, and I'm going to explain that in just a moment. Verse 9, as we looked at last week, we're going to read that again. It says, but, but you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people. And what basically what Peter's saying is that's your identity. Okay, That's who you are. You're a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people. And then he says that you may, look at the word proclaim, the praises of him who called you, this is, this is what you're going to praise him for. He called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. He, re, he repeats this again, who once were not a people, but now you are a pe the people of God. And who had not obtained mercy, but now you've obtained mercy. That's what you're to proclaim. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word. Father, help us to be proclaimers. Lord, on our at our jobs, um, Lord, in school, wherever you have us to go. Uh, Jesus, help us to be proclaimers of what you've done for us. Nothing is more important in life than salvation. And Father, if there's anyone here today who has never placed their faith and trust in you, that Father, I pray today would be their day of salvation. Lord, help us as a church, Lord, to be thankful for your word, to be thankful uh, for your grace, Father, and your mercy that we'll talk about in just a moment. So thankful that even as a Christian, those mercies are new every morning. And uh, Father, we want to tell you that we love you today. In Jesus' name I pray, and all of God's people said together, amen. Thank you. you. may be seated. That word proclaim means to publish or to advertise. And it got me to thinking about some great commercials of the past. And I'm not going to show the commercials. I'm going to show a picture of the commercials, and you can kind of guess which one it is. Notice this first one here. Anybody remember that? Where's the beef? All right, Wendy's. Wasn't that, wasn't that a great commercial? Where is the beef? Notice the second one. Very familiar. You remember what product this is? Coca-Cola. Mean Joe Green drank that whole Coke, didn't he? And then gave up his jersey. Think, think about the next one. This one's a little harder. Tootsie Pop. How many licks? Three. 
three. Now this one's a little tougher. You got to be as old as me to know this one. Remember that one? Y'all knew that one? Mikey, he'll eat it, right? Life cereal. Now notice the verse again on the screen. It's going to be on the screen. Notice. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people that you may advertise. You're his advertiser. Okay? He says that you may proclaim, notice the word, the praises of him. Uh, it could be translated his supernatural deeds, if you would. Okay? Oftentimes in the Old Testament, uh, the psalmist would, would start talking about God's great deeds. Psalm 71 says, Oh God, you have taught me from my youth, and I still declare your wondrous deeds. Psalm 9 says this, Let me tell you of all God's wonders. Look at that word marvelous up there. It means something that's astonishing. Jesus used that term in, in Matthew 21 when he talked about this very scripture uh, in verses 6 and 8. Jesus said to them, did you, ever, did you never read in the scriptures the stone which the builders rejected? This became the chief cornerstone. This came about from the Lord and it is marvelous in our eyes. John 9, 30, whenever Jesus healed the blind man, they were questioning him saying, where did this guy come from? Who did this? And the guy, guy basically says, I... I hadn't saw my whole life, now I can see. All right? And he goes this, he says this. The man answered them and said, Well, here's an amazing thing that you do not know where he's from, and yet he opened my eyes. That word amazing. That word marvelous is used in Revelation 15:1. It says, And I saw another sign in heaven, great and marvelous. Seven angels who had seven plagues, which are the last, because of them the wrath of God is finished. And then in verse 3 it says, And they sang a song of Moses the bondservant of God, and the song of the Lamb, saying, Great and marvelous are thy works, O Lord God, the Almighty, righteous and true. Thy ways, thou King of the nations, are mighty. So we're to proclaim marvelous things about the Lord. We're going to look at just three here this morning real quickly. And the first one is this, that he rescued me. Notice, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Look at that word, called. Okay? That word called, that means if you're saved today, you were are, you are called by God, all right? God convicted you, he called you. I, I liken it like this. I remember my first Sunday uh, at Millersville Baptist Church. I was dating uh, Renee at the time. We just went to the prom. I went to church. That was my first Sunday. Larry Blakely was preaching. I've sat on this side. And I remember while he was preaching, it seemed to me, like God was calling me to be saved. Didn't hear an audible voice. And I remember one time looking around thinking, does everybody feel like I do? And they didn't. Okay? Then I went back, same thing. Went back, same thing. It never stopped. Okay? And then on a Tuesday night, I gave my life to Jesus, and God called me out of darkness. Look at the word darkness there. That's who you are. The Bible says, Paul writing to the church at Ephesus, he says, you were children of darkness children of wrath, and then God saved you. He called you, okay? He called you, you, you went from darkness to light. Ephesians 5.8 says, For you were once darkness, but now you're light in the Lord. Live as children of the light. 1 Thessalonians 5 says, You are now, you are all children of the light and children of the day. We do not belong to the night nor to the darkness. Jesus said this in John 8 when Jesus spoke again to the people. He said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have light, the light of life. 
Paul writing to the church at Colossae says, For he has rescued us, there's that word, from the domain excuse me, from the domain of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. And what Peter says here is that God has called us out of the darkness. See, that word call means it's just a general conviction that you get, but that call that word call means something else. It means not only did God call you out of the darkness, he came and got you himself. It's kind of like I've talked to people, let's say, let's, they'll, they'll share this testimony that somebody in their family has a drug problem. And they end up at a drug house, right? And they, they plead and they plead and they plead with this person to come out to, to try to get clean, right? The person can't help themselves at this point. They're, they're in the drug house. And I've, I've had people tell me, we went in there and got him. We just got him. Took him out. We just went and got him ourselves. We just physically got him, took him out, took him to rehab, you know, all those things. That's what that word rescue means. It means you were sitting here contemplating something. God's calling you to the point that you're under conviction, then God just gets you. God grabs you. He rescues you out of darkness, okay? He, he, sometimes even though you fight against it. See, I would sit in church and hear, and hear a, a, the pastor preach, and then in my heart I was like, not yet, not yet. I had my own time. I'm not getting saved today. I'll get saved when I get married and have kids. You need Jesus before you get married, amen? I said, that's what I'll do. But you know what? God came and got me. See, it wasn't just a general call and a conviction. It was a drawing power of God. And then he rescued me. Didn't save myself. Over and over again, we see this in the scripture where you, one person is in darkness and then they come into the light. I heard a guy talking about human trafficking over in, a, in another country. And he says, what you do when they, when they get these girls that are young, around six or seven, okay, they grow up in this lifestyle, that's all they know. And even when you offer them a way out, a lot of times they'll fight you because that's all they know. That's all they know. He says, you physically have to go in there and just get them out of that darkness, out of the darkness, he says, we go in there and we grab them and then we free them. And he says, then their lives change forever. But at the time, they're fighting us, getting them out. Sometimes it happens that way. That's the way it is sometimes when we're lost. Because you're living in the darkness and all you know is darkness. That's all you know. And then here comes Jesus. He calls you. Then he comes and gets you himself. And let me ask you a question. Are you a child of the light or are you a child of the darkness? Are you living in darkness today? God can rescue you. I would encourage you to respond to his call. And then the second thing is this, he is my father. We looked at this last week. He says that you may proclaim the praises of him who once were not a people, but now you're the people of God. See, we're not all God's children, are we? We're not. Nowhere in the Bible does it say that we're all God's creation, but we're not all God's children. Even though everybody's welcome here, we're not all God's children. All religions are not valid. That's what Peter's saying. Peter's writing to people that were uh, spread across modern-day Turkey and if you'd understand how spiritual those people were, they worshipped everything. And what Peter is saying, Peter would look you in the eye and say, you're not a child of God. You're not. See, he says, you were not a people, but now you are. And that makes God your father. We looked at that last week. David spoke of this a lot. He says that God is a father to the fatherless, because he understood that. Orphans in his day. Psalm 27 says this, For my father and my mother have forsaken me, but the Lord will take me in. There's, there's probably nothing worse than having a dad who will not love his kids and take care of them. It affects everything. It affects everything in society. 
When I speak in prisons, the majority of the men in there, the men, okay, they didn't have a dad at home. They just didn't. And there's a lot of people in America today that grew up without a dad. Okay, my mom and dad divorced when I was like three or four. When I was in a, when I was in my high school class, I was that was unusual. Okay, because back then, whenever I graduated high school in 1988, uh, parents people just stayed together. Okay, and it was really even more unusual not to have a dad present. Okay, it wasn't like they got divorced, but my dad lived in Texas. All right, never saw him growing up, maybe a few times. Okay. And what Peter is saying to these people here, some of them have dads and some of them don't. He says, but you have a father now. He is a father to the fatherless. You're his own special people. You have a dad. Jesus said we cry out, Abba, Father. You know, think about it. Notice what John says. He says, see what great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. And that's what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it does not know him, John says. He uses that word see. He wants us to observe the manifestations of the Father's love. One scholar says when John tells us that is what we are, just like Peter shares here, he declares the reality of our status. Right now at this very moment, we're his children. Think about that for a moment. Right now at this moment, you have a Father in heaven or you don't. Isn't that something? You're either a child of God or you're not. And if you are a child of God, all that's his is yours. In other words, this is not a promise which God will fulfill in the future. No, the truth is we are already God's children. We enjoy all the rights and privileges of our adoption entails because we have come to know God as our Father. John put it this way in his gospel in the first chapter. But to all who did receive him, Jesus, who believed in his name, he gave them the right to become the children of God. So is God your father today? He says, you were once not a people, but now you are the people of God. How amazing is that? You didn't belong, but you do now. You've been adopted. Paul writing to the church at Galatia says, So also, when we were children, we were enslaved under the basic principles of the world in darkness. But when the time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law that we might receive our adoption as sons. And because you're sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father, so that you are no longer a slave but a son. Since you are a son, you are also an heir through God. In that passage, Christians were born enslaved, but Jesus buys them out of slavery. Then they're adopted by the Father and given the spirit, and now they're heirs to everything that God owns. As a matter of fact, God lavished his love on you. And I read this verse last week when God was talking to the children of Israel. He said, the Lord did not set his affection on you and choose you because you were more numerous than other peoples. For you were the fewest of all peoples, but it was because of the Lord loved you and kept an oath that he swore to your ancestors that he saved you. The Lord loves you because he loves you. Think about that for a moment. The language of love is lavished upon God's people in the Old Testament. Think about this. They're God's inheritance. He was talking about the children of Israel. They're, this is what God says about them in the Old Testament. They're his inheritance, his personal and prized possession, his treasure. God bears them on his shoulders, carries them in his arms, holds them in his hands, sets them at his feet, loves them with a jealous love. They're his alone to, be, to the exclusion of all other gods. They bear his name, the love of a father for a son, the love of a husband for a wife is used to describe God's love for his people. And God loves you more than that. Isn't that amazing? 
not only did he rescue, but he's your father. You were not a people, but now you are a people. You've been adopted, if you will, by, by God's spirit into his family. And then the last thing is this. He is merciful. Notice what, what Peter says. He says here, who had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. I don't think you understand the magnitude of that verse. Mercy. In the Hebrew, it's rakim. They would have understood it well. It means loving kindness, mercy. That's what every Jew wanted was mercy. What that means is this. What the word mercy means is that you're guilty. You are guilty. You've committed a crime against God, and God does not give you what you deserve. Isn't that amazing? God does not give you the punishment you deserve because you are guilty. Mercy. The Jewish, the Jewish people would, would say this, that, well, when God spoke to Moses, he said, then the Lord passed before him and proclaimed, the Lord, the Lord God is merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abounding in goodness and truth, keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, by no means clearing the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children and the children's children to the third and fourth generation. David says, also to you, O Lord, belongs mercy. 2 Corinthians 1 and 3 says, Blessed be God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort. The psalmist says, For the Lord is good, His mercy is everlasting, and His truth endures to all generations. As a matter of fact, mercy is, is, that, which is des- that which is deserved is withheld to the benefit of the object of mercy. You deserve a guilty verdict, and God says not guilty. That's amazing to me. And the amazing thing about it, Christian, is the Bible says this, that his mercies are new every morning for you. Isn't that amazing? Isn't it amazing that you can be rescued, okay, where God saves you, he gets all the credit, right? That he's your father, and you can still sin against him on Saturday night before you come to church and still receive mercy. That's amazing to me. God knows all about you, loves you anyway. Isn't that something? God knows all about you and, and, and loves you anyway and offers mercy. I don't know what you did last week. It's none of my business. I don't want to know, okay? I don't. God knows, and he still loves you and offers mercy to you if you'll accept it. His mercies are new every morning. Jeremiah said after the children of Israel taken into Babylonian captivity, he says his compassions don't fail. In the midst of all the rubble and all the people leaving, Jeremiah says his mercies are new every morning. It's just amazing to me that we get mercy from our Father. See, some of you probably never had that from your dad. I I know men never had a dad tell them they loved them. Isn't that something? Then you come to God and you're trying to do not make those two the same. They're not. Your Father loves you. He knows all about you. And you're his child. And he loves you. You can never sin your way out of it. You can't. My mom used to always tell me this, my door's always open, and it's open now. Who loves you like your mama? Nobody. God does. He's a compassionate, loving father. Isn't that amazing? But he shows mercy. Now think about it. One of the words that he uses here is associated with his forbearance. Now listen to this. Psalm 145.8 says, Yahweh is gracious and merciful, slow to anger, that's forbearance, and of great loving kindness. That means that there's a debt between us. But God withholds judgment and he withholds the consequences of some of the things that he could do because he's merciful. Forbearance. See, some of you have been coming to church, you're like me. 
I got saved when I was 20, right? So for 20 years, God was merciful and long-suffering with me. He was. And God's been merciful and long-suffering to some of you. Some of you come to church every Sunday and you've never placed your faith in Jesus. Isn't that amazing? And you're going to get in your car and you're going to drive home and God's going to be merciful and allow you to ride there safely. And hopefully you'll be back here next Sunday. You know what I would do? I would, I would fall on my knees before the Father and ask him to save me, wouldn't you? Who loves you like Jesus does? Nobody does. Nobody. There's no human comparison to the love that God has for you. And that word mercy, he is merciful to us. He does not give us what we deserve. He's loving. As a matter of fact, the angel said this, his mercy is upon generation after generation toward those who fear him. Paul, writing to the church at Ephesus, says, But God, being rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. He is holding back his wrath because he is long-suffering for you to be saved. It it reminded me of uh, when Noah built the ark, preached for hundreds of years, probably a hundred years maybe, building a big boat, middle of nowhere, no water, saying, come, come. And God was patient with that wicked, adulterous generation. The Bible says every thought and every intent on their heart was on evil continually. Could you imagine living in an environment like that? But God still showed grace. He still showed grace, but there was a time when the door shut. God shut the door of the ark, and then it started to rain. Listen, today's the day of salvation, amen? Today, do you have a father? Are you God's child? Have you been rescued? Listen, I'll tell you this. Even though you're saved, you can get into some dark places, right? And this preacher loves you. You can share You can tell me anything you want to, and I'll try to walk with you through that. Okay, sometimes we just need somebody to shine a little light on us, don't we? Darkness, Christians, it happens, but his mercy is available. Do you need mercy? I've talked to people that have done some really bad stuff, and I'll tell them, listen, God loves you, he knows all about it, he can save you, he can change your life, and he offers mercy. I remember one man saying this, he said, my family don't do that, and I said, God's better than your family, amen? Aren't you thankful? Do you need mercy this morning? Do you need mercy? You don't deserve it, but God offers it to you this morning. I'm going to ask you to stand with me with every head bowed and every eye closed as our musicians come. The question I would ask you in the quietness of this moment, are you right with God? That, that, that word right or righteous means that you're in a good, right-standing position before your Father. That means there are no debts or liabilities between us. You and God are right. Are you right with the Lord? The night I got saved, a man from this church said, Jamie, are you right with God? And I said, I am not right with God. I knew it. But you can be this morning. Whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. One man explained salvation this way. He He said, salvation is not just receiving a pardon or being set free from death row. He says, you're guilty and God sets you free. Not only does he set you free, but he gives you the Congressional Medal of Honor. Hard to believe that, isn't it? That's how much God loves you. We are received and welcomed as heroes as if we'd accomplished extraordinary deeds when we place our faith and trust in Jesus. Is he your father? Has he been merciful to you? Then I would encourage you to proclaim it. At this invitation time, if you've never placed your faith and trust in Jesus, I would encourage you to come. You don't have to come forward. You don't have to. You can pray where you are. I want you to pray with me right now. If you've never placed your faith and trust in Jesus, pray this. Jesus, today... 
I believe in you. Today, I trust in you. Today, you're my father. Today, I'm being rescued. Today, I'm receiving mercy. Today. Today is a day of salvation. Jesus, I beg and plead for you to save. Fathers, we come to you in prayer. Lord, this is your time and these are your people. Lord, I pray that this invitation will bring honor and glory to your name. Jesus, thank you for rescuing us. Lord, thank you for being our Father. And Lord, thank you for your mercy that you that we obtain whenever we come to Christ. Father, I pray that you would extend mercy all over this congregation this morning. And at this invitation time, Father, we'll thank you and praise you for it. We love you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You respond as the Lord leads you this morning. extend our congratulations to our graduates and after I pray they're going to be dismissed first okay if you're here and you've never placed your faith and trust in Jesus I'd love to talk with you about that Justin do you have something yep I just want to um, remind everybody there's 40 plus of you going to summer camp and so right after the service we're going to be in the gym and we'll have two notaries present um, so thank you to Tracy um, and to Kendra for being there that'll help speed us up but uh, if you will go to the gym directly after the service and we'll get everything filled out and notarized and ready to roll for camp. So um, that's all I got. Thank you, Justin. Fathers, we come to you in prayer once again. We want to thank you, Lord, for your, your word, Father, for the Holy Spirit. Father, once again, I pray if there's anyone here today that's never placed their faith and trust in you, I pray that today would be their day of salvation. We're so thankful, Lord, it's so simple as whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. And Father, we pray that you'd call people out of darkness. Lord, extend your family to them and also, Father, extend your mercy to them. In Jesus' name I pray and all of God's people said together, amen. Well, let's congratulate our graduates once again.